Thanks for joining us today at BIB Today, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. On Wednesday, former BC Supreme Court Justice Austin Cullen released an 1,800-page report on money laundering in British Columbia. With it came 101 recommendations to the province that would really revolutionize scrutiny on the economy and the many systems that channel the flow of funds. The report had been preceded by two important studies by my guest today, Peter German, a former deputy commissioner of the RCMP, identified some critical weaknesses in how casinos in British Columbia were vulnerable to those who wished to launder funds. His proposals were lauded by Cullen on Wednesday for changes that have reformed that culture, among his many other findings. But I thought I'd reach out to him today. I thought he'd be a great guest to bounce around some of Cullen's ideas. So I've reached him at a conference in Toronto. Good to see you, Peter. Kirk, it's a pleasure. And I know you've been tracking this story for a long time as well. So it's nice to be back on with you. Great. Uh, what, what did you find as the strongest signals from the report? Well, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect because there's been a lot of secrecy over the, the in terms of uh, the findings. No one uh, knew. And uh, so I was prepared to be disappointed and I was prepared to be defensive, quite frankly, because I had made a lot of recommendations. But uh, as soon as I saw the executive summary, I said, OK, he got it. And uh, I was quite pleased. Uh, his recommendations track very closely uh, to mine, although his work is a lot more exhaustive, big staff. They really went into it, as you say. It's a very thorough report. I've only read the executive summary at, at this point, but I, I'm impressed. And uh, and I think, uh, you know, he hit the mark. Yeah. What, what do you think uh, he unearthed that we didn't know or didn't have confirmed anyway? Well, I know that uh, I think everybody in B.C. wanted to know whether or not there was actual corruption involved. And, and uh, Justice Cullen said, no, there isn't corruption in terms of the legal definition. And I'm not surprised by that. He did, however, find fault with a number of individuals, uh, politicians who, who should have done more or who should have recognized red flags. Uh, again, I'm not surprised by that finding. And uh, it's sort of in line with, with what I was seeing, although my mandate was different than his. Um, but, you know, he certainly, and I think the big thing is that he recognized that there's a major problem in our province with respect to money laundering. And just to put this in perspective for your audience, money laundering is really simply a tool of organized crime. So if you've got money laundering, you've got organized crime and organized crime exists to make money and the laundering allows them to process that so they can use it. The other thing I would point out is uh, Justice Cullen was quite critical of the federal government's response to money laundering. And uh, that goes to the point that this, although this was a provincial commission, uh, it has implications across our country and it has strong, uh, it's made very strong suggestions to the federal government that uh, more engagement is necessary on the subject. Yeah, I, I want to talk a bit about that in a, in a minute, but I, I want to look at some of the myths that have been out there. I mean, one of the myths you, you raise there is the issue of corruption. And while he didn't find corruption, he did find that politicians were aware of problems and, and either didn't or couldn't do anything about them. Um, but the other important myth, I thought, was that somehow money laundering has been responsible for uh, housing of unaffordability in this province. Um, did you find yourself satisfied in reading his conclusion on that? 
Yeah, I, I was a bit surprised. I've only read, as I say, the executive summary, and um, he doesn't see a direct connection between the increase in housing prices, the dramatic increase that we've seen in the lower mainland, and money laundering. However, there's a recognition throughout the report that the real estate sector is impacted by money laundering. So uh, it, it, it goes to say uh, that the money is going into the real estate sector, um, and it, it, it money and uh, proceeds of crime were being laundered in the real estate sector. So, to what extent, uh, how much, in what uh, areas of our real estate market, uh, I think are still question marks here. Now, uh, a, a parallel report to mine in 2018, commissioned by the provincial government, did find that there was a connection and uh, that there was an increase in housing prices, at least in certain areas. By I think it was something like three to five percent. Um, I tend to think if the money's going in, it's probably inflating value at, to some extent, but we don't know, uh, you know, how great that is. And, and Cullen couldn't uh, find a connection, so I accept what he says, but I don't, you know, I, I, I think we just don't know for sure, for certain. Yeah, I, I think in the end, what he concluded was that it was not a significant impact that, that there was definitely an correct, impact. Correct. Just, and and yeah. I think we can agree on that. Yes, there's so many factors that contribute to it. Yeah. So, so one of the bigger things that he calls for is is essentially the creation of a an anti money laundering commissioner who would really be, uh, in a way, the 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 director on all kind of government activities in order to ensure that uh, that really there there was attention to these files. How how important do you think that that recommendation is in order to make some progress here? Well, to Justice Cullen, I think it was significant because that individual, I don't know if we, we can use the word czar anymore, but uh, this anti-money laundering uh, chief uh, supposedly will have that global perspective over what's taking place in the province and will make sure that all departments and agencies and everybody is contributing as they're expected to do um, uh, in, in this fight. Um so it's, it's novel. It's not something that I had thought of. Um, and, but he, he obviously saw the need for coordination at a, at a high level. And I believe the recommendation is that this would be a person appointed by the legislature, uh, similar to the ombudsperson and so forth. So it's, it's a significant recommendation. It makes sense. Uh, it, you know, the, 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 the devil's in the details and the proof's in the pudding. So we'll have to see how that all comes together. But by virtue of not having, say, this be the attorney general or some other cabinet minister, that also takes it a little bit away from government, because in some cases, it might be government's own performance that is an issue here. Well, and certainly um, that's that was one of my findings, that the regulator and the BC Lottery Corporation, uh, although well-intentioned, uh, just did not get their combined act together uh, to deal with the problem. And the other thing, uh, from a purely bureaucratic uh, uh, manner um, perspective, uh, this report was actually sent to three ministries, Attorney General, Finance, and Public Safety. So you've already got three different uh, ministries involved. So it probably makes sense to have somebody who can take a look at the big picture now, I was actually, uh, I have to say, I, I think I, I was following the nature of policing around this file, but I, I never realized until the hearings really got underway that there was no particularly distinct unit that was looking at combating these crimes. Again, one of his recommendations is that there's a, be there a special investigation and intelligence unit 
around this. Again, how important do you read that one? Right. So uh, I've been, I'm a very proud former member of the RCMP. However, I've also been quite critical and uh, both the Attorney General Eby and I have done press conferences where we have been critical of the RCMP having eliminated its commodity-based units. In 2013, they eliminated the proceeds of crime, the drug squad, and the commercial crime section. So all of a sudden, the specialists go into more general units. And uh, from my perspective, there was a loss of specialization. And the priority uh, in terms of money laundering investigations sort of went out uh, or went away. And uh, Cullen did find that uh, the RCMP, uh, since I believe he says 2012, uh, has simply not been in this uh, in this field, in this space, and they should be. Um, now, his suggestion then is, or recommendation, is that there should be a unit in the CFSU. Now, Combined Forces Special uh, Enforcement Unit is, although it's separate from the RCMP, it's predominantly RCMP and municipal police. Um, and... Uh, it, focused on gangs, they already have a unit that does look at money laundering. It's called the JIGIT. It's a joint uh, gaming intelligence unit. So I fully expect that what's probably going to happen is that that unit will be bolstered by this recommendation to deal with not just casinos, but money laundering generally under the general rubric of the CFSEU. Yeah. It was really obvious in, in uh, like you, I've gone through the uh, uh, executive summary, which is 31 pages, not, it's a pretty big summary, um, and, and I'm going through the report. It's really obvious uh, that there's a, um, a kind of a frustration that pervades the report that, that, you know, the province can't really hang around and wait for the federal authorities to come in on this or for municipal authorities to, to get any kind of appreciable expertise in this, that the province needs to go it alone on some areas. Given the scope of the challenges, though, Peter, I mean, how how wise a pursuit is that? Yeah, so that is a significant issue, and I, and it, it's clear that Justice Cullen recognized it. So most, and I shouldn't say most, but a lot of what has to be done has to be done at the federal level simply because of the way our laws are structured, our constitution is divided. So, for example... Our financial intelligence unit, FinTrack, is a federal unit. Our criminal code is passed by parliament. The RCMP, in terms of federal enforcement, is a federal unit, and proceeds of crime and so forth is viewed as, as a federal part of the federal mandate. So the federal government has to be engaged. So I think what Justice Cullen is, and he, you know, he has said, federal government, you've got to you've got to play in this field. You've got to step up your game. However, he's not stopping there. He's also saying, province, this is what you should do. Um, to fill the gap. Now, um, what happens if the federal government says, "Okay, we are stepping up," and the province is filling the gap? You know, you could easily lead. It could easily lead to duplication, uh, particularly in the intelligence gathering areas, where you've, we've got this national financial intelligence unit that should be doing a lot of this work, and we're yeah. creating sort of a, a, a gap intelligence unit in this province. So it's going to be interesting to see how that how everybody works through that. And you certainly don't want to create duplication. And, and the same would apply to our earlier comment about the enforcement unit at CFSEU. If the federal government comes out with an initiative that deals with enforcement of money laundering right across the country that is robust and that, that actually makes a difference, well, maybe it won't be necessary to do what has been recommended for BC alone. Again, uh, remains to be seen. Yeah. A, a couple of other things. Um, uh, 
you know, we have labor shortages all over the world, it seems right now. Um, is there a talent pool to be able to fill all these new roles? Right. So, uh, you know, policing uh, is a difficult, uh, and what we're seeing it with the the Surrey Police Force. They're having their issues trying to find candidates um, other than retired police officers and a small trickle going through the police academy. It's very difficult to find police officers. Um, and it's the, the profession, um, I don't think you have people lined up uh, joining uh, as you have in, in past years. So what do you do? You go to a different model, to a civilian model, have uh, people untrained in policing act as police officers. I mean, it, it, it is it is a bit of a dilemma. However, having said that, um, there are people with experience out there. It's a matter of lining up police officers with experience uh, into the in in the right positions. There will be a there will be um, a learning uh, gap. There'll be training required. All sorts of things. This is not going to happen overnight. But you have to start somewhere. And uh, I, in in defense of the RCMP, the RCMP does have a financial crime section, um, and they are trying to bolster it. Uh, after what happened in 2013. So uh, just keep our fingers crossed on that one, I suppose. Yeah. Um, a co- uh, last couple of things. Uh, in the absolute end of the executive summary, uh, Justice Cullen uh, does basically sound an optimistic note. And one of the optimistic notes is about political will, that he, everything he sees and senses from the provincial government at the moment says they want to basically deal with this. But let's be clear, you know, the, the entire province somehow indirectly benefits from this harm, right? It benefits in terms of tax revenue that, that winds up in the coffers that pays for a lot of things. This is a tough political dilemma because you are essentially turning off a tap for your revenue. And all yeah. this. You know, it, so so the, the classic dilemma, right? So it, give me a, your own sense of this and, and, and what you think the political will is really like. Right. So I would say two things about that. Uh, I think there's political will and there's bureaucratic will. Uh, in terms of political will, it's clear that uh, our current attorney general has, you know, a, a desire to deal with this issue. And he has since 2017 when it was brought to his attention. So he seems quite switched on. And I, I'm you know, very comfortable saying that I'm not a political animal myself, but I, I see the interest in dealing with this issue. Um, but, you know, once recommendations are accepted by the political level, they go into the bureaucracy and they can live there for a long, long time and they can outlast politicians. So, sure. we, you know, we have to be alive to that issue as well. So politicians can't just say we'd like it. They have to be on top of what's happening. Where are the results? Are things happening? Uh, in terms of the, the second part of your uh comment question uh you know are is our economy going to be affected well yeah maybe i mean we've heard uh you know a luxury let's say someone dealing in luxury goods saying wow if i can't sell my luxury goods to money launderers i'm going to be out of business well okay what sort of a society do we want to live in and i i think the the prevailing view the ethical view should be look uh a clean business is good for business. Um, we, we want uh, a level playing field for business. Uh, I, I don't think the average person in, in our province would be comfortable saying we need money laundering to keep the business, keep the economy going. 
Uh, surely we've got lots of strengths in our economy other than that. And, and I say, you know, let's get rid of the, the, the dirty money and, and let's, you know, I'll focus on clean money and, and turning around that Vancouver model to being a positive. Yeah, I, I make my point only because so many of these funds wind up out of some of the gambling that takes place over to things like healthcare, culture, a number of things that, that you know, governments directly don't do and that the public essentially does through the side door, uh, through through gaming and things like that. Um, yeah. yeah, if you're talking about uh, the gaming uh, revenue, I really think that uh, gaming revenue will, will pick right up. Uh, gaming revenue will survive this because people like to game and British Columbians like to use their casinos. So it's not as if uh, casinos are going to close down and uh, they, they are and they have been the largest non-tax source of revenue for the provincial government uh, for some time. I expect that they will continue to be. Uh, the, the drops uh, with organized crime out of there, uh, you know, casinos can uh, reorient some of their business, I suppose. It might not be quite the, the VIP whale gamblers that you saw in the past. Maybe it's the average person. Uh, you and I, Kurt, maybe we'll be in there playing blackjack like a little bit more. Not, not if, uh, not if I'm smart. Uh, I, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's not not something I can make money at. Um, uh, so, so let me ask you then. So let's suppose, because you you know money laundering so well, you, you probably even know the mind of a money launderer. So, so if you're waking up this morning as a money launderer. Are you going, well, I guess the jig is up? Or are you saying, oh, no, we've got, we've got a decade before this actually comes in and the walls close in on us? What, what, what would you think right. the, the money launderer of today is thinking? Yeah. Uh, Justice Cullen refers to people in this business as rational actors. So in response to that question, on one level, uh, people who do want to systematically launder money are probably paying attention to this and saying, okay, maybe we should go to another province, i.e. Ontario or Quebec or whatever it might be. And in fact, at the conference I was at today, there was a lot of discussion about that displacement effect. So yes, it, it could occur. The other thing I would say is that traditionally organized crime is ahead of law enforcement and government because uh, you know, by the time we're looking at what's happening in the casinos, the heat is on and they're moving somewhere else. So take a look in cryptocurrency, take a look at underground banks and the money service businesses, take a look at the cannabis industry, take a look at any number of other areas, and you may find organized crime there now. Uh, they're not sitting around to find out what's going to happen in the casinos. If nothing is done in a particular sector, they'll be back. But I suspect they're one step ahead of already and, and down the road okay uh, and i promise this is my last question no problem. and i, I know just justice cullen was asked this uh, on wednesday um would you be the commissioner oh my for heaven's sakes uh that is not something in my contemplation uh never even you're the first person to ask that question let's put it that way kirk i, I don't have an okay. answer <laughs> But what, what role do you think you can serve then as this unfolds? Because it's going to take a really large force task uh, to basically make this uh, a reality in our province. And, and it's not all bureaucrats and it's not all uh, cabinet ministers and it's not all, you know, the, the authorities. It's, it's going to depend on people out from outside the systems 
that that in a lot of ways are themselves going to have to be reformed. Um, where do you where do you think you want to make your contribution? Well, I, I'll tell you where I'm trying to make a contribution right now. We uh, launched. I, I'm the president of the International Center for Criminal Law Reform, which is located at the at UBC Law School, and it's been around for many years. We launched on December 9th the uh, Vancouver Anti Corruption Institute with the idea of uh, doing anti corruption work internationally, domestically, uh, in terms of uh, best practices, project work, research. Uh, writing and uh, uh, training, you name it. So we're, we're actively trying to get our institute up and running. Uh, I'm having some fun with that. And it all goes back to this idea of the Vancouver model. Let's turn it around and let's make Vancouver a showcase of what we can do uh, with this problem. So that's what I'm uh, in my own little way uh, trying to do. And um, But, you know, uh, I, I'm happy to assist in any way as I was to do those reports for the uh, for the Attorney General. And uh, I'm just really glad that we're at this stage now that we've got Cullen has reported. It's a good report. There's lots of meat in it. There's lots for government to do as a result. Yeah, there's even more studying to do. Boy, I, I, the more I read, the more I thought, well, I could see where this is a study calling for more studies. Well, yes, potentially, but that gets you back into that bureaucratic will. You don't want too many more studies. Uh, no, and I'm not advocating more studies. I, I would really like to see action steps based on what he's recommended. You know, let's get on with it. Uh, yes. Peter German, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for giving us your time out of this conference today uh, to speak to us for BIB. Uh, Kirk, it's always a podcast. pleasure. Thank you very much. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief at BIV. Thanks a lot for watching.